0: Job chapter 7. Isn't a man forced to labor on earth? Aren't his days like the days of a hired man? Hand? As a servant who earnestly desires the shadow, as a hireling who looks for his wages, so I am made to possess months of misery. Wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down I say, When will I arise and the night be gone? I toss and turn until the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin closes up and breaks out afresh. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will no more see good. The eye of him who sees me will see me no more. Your eyes will be on me, but I will not be. As the cloud is consumed and vanishes away, so he who goes down to Sheol will come up no more. He will return no more to his house, neither will his place know him any more. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit, I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a sea monster that you put a guard over me? When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me through visions so that my soul chooses strangling death rather than my bones. I loathe my life. I don't want to live forever. Leave me alone for the days are but a breath. What is man that you should magnify him? That you should set your mind on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment. How long will you not look away from me, nor leave me alone until I swallow down my spittle? If I have sinned, what do I do to you, you watcher of men? Why have you set me as a mark for you, so that I am a burden to myself. Why do you not pardon my disobedience and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust. You will seek me diligently,
1: but I will not be. Well, these are the comments for Job chapter 7, and we're still in the first reply speech of Job. So Job has his three friends. The first one speaks to him and says, you're a sinner, repent. And Job replies <laughs> and says, you're a lousy lot of friends, you are. And we're still in his reply. This is the second half of it, chapter seven. And in uh, verses one to six, you know, he's been speaking, chapter six, he's been speaking to his friends. And um, But in chapter seven, he's he kind of stops addressing his friends directly. And it almost seems like he starts talking to himself. He starts speaking about the meaning of life or how meaningless life seems to him and then he goes from verse 7 to 21 he start he slips into a spontaneous prayer so it's all still the speech of job and it's technically all to his friends but in this chapter he's kind of like speaking out loud to himself or to whoever's willing to listen and then he's speaking to the lord and um some of these wisdom writings in the Bible like Job and later in the book of Ecclesiastes, they do bring up the topic of how meaningless life seems. And uh, we know as, as believers that life is hugely meaningful if you have Christ. And um, the original purposes of God in making the world was that there was meaning in it and purpose in it. But without, without Christ, there's no meaning and no purpose. And at the time that Job said the things that he said, he was questioning his life and the meaning of his life because of all that had happened. And that's a very common human experience. So if you've ever had a a time when heaps of things have gone wrong, you may have questioned the meaning of your life. So you can relate to Job, except he no doubt experienced this question in a whole deeper level. So for example, he says in verse 4, When I lie down, I think, how long until I get up? The night drags on and I toss and I turn until dawn. And so he he goes on to talk about how life is so miserable for me. When I'm awake, I want to go to sleep. Uh, When I'm in my bed, I want to get up. He talks about how life just drags on. It's all meaningless, it doesn't mean anything. It reminded me of. what the very, very first outback trip we ever went on is at church. We do this annual trip to the outback area. We take youth or we t- we've we been taking families in recent years, go camping, visit churches. It's always a really good experience. And the very, very first one of them, we were um, in a town called um, Alpha and we visited the hospital there and there was this woman in the hospital. So the hospital in a little, little towns out west, they often have a little hospital, but it's there's usually not much going on in there and so sometimes these little hospitals turn into aged care facilities where there's the few local elderly people are kind of like being cared for there permanently. So there was this one elderly woman called Beth and she I guess was just in that hospital and she was just in there day after day after day and this is way in the outback of Australia and there's no one really around and no one visited her. She had no family or friends coming So her experience all day long was just of sitting in a chair. So we went through the hospital and we were visiting and we were trying to share the gospel. I had a a brochure we'd written up we gave to her. And um, next to her on the table was a jug of water and a cup. And as she's sitting there, she goes to pour herself a glass of water and the nurse slaps her on the hand and says, no, Beth, you've had enough already. (laughs) I felt so sorry for the woman because all day long, all she had to do was drink water. And then she got slapped for having another drink. So the highlight of her day was to have a glass of water. I felt really bad. And then this this comment of Job's reminded me, you know, when I lay down, I think, how long until I get up? The night drags on. So in pain and suffering, he's experiencing this meaninglessness and this dragging on of life. And um, the, the wisdom writings like here in Ecclesiastes, they talk a lot about how life seems to just have no point to it. Life has a huge point to it especially if you're in Jesus Christ we're called to love him and serve him and when we find our place in his love how rich and refreshing it is but Job right now is questioning all of that. Then he goes on to say in verse 5 he says my body is clothed with worms and scabs my skin is broken and festering. Wow worms So uh, way back in chapter two, we found out that Job got really, really sick. The devil attacked him with skin diseases, and now we find out he has worms. I don't know what type of skin disease um, this is, and all the experts, you know, there's experts who've written, you know, papers on this type of thing. I wondered whether he had maggots, you know, maggots had got into some of his wounds, and they were eating him. It's just a bit more insight into how bad it was for him it's terrible. And then he says in verse 9, as a cloud vanishes and is gone, so is the one who goes down to the grave and does not return. So you can see he's really in the dredges. And then it got interesting. In the second half of this chapter, he now his discussion now turns to a spontaneous prayer and he's talking to the Lord now. And he says to the Lord, you know, basically, why aren't you answering me? Where is your voice? And he says, I'm terrified. And he says, and then when I go to bed, you give me nightmares. (laughs) So he's basically saying, Lord, why can't you be kind to me? In the daytime, I'm in pain. And at nighttime, you give me nightmares. When's the suffering going to end? And I thought that was really interesting because we know the dreams and visions of the night come from the Lord. Even nightmares can come from the Lord. In fact, it depends on who you listen to. If you listen to my father, he has a great message on dreams on our app. You can look up Peace Apostolic Ministries and there's an app uh, there and you can get out, there's a message in our app all about dreams. Very, very interesting. My father would say that nightmares are also from the Lord. And um, when I was a kid, uh, I had a nightmare once. A terrible, terrible dream of this monster, you know, that was in the... Basically, this monster was in the ocean. I was on a boat. And this monster was so big standing in the ocean that, you know, this is the middle of the Pacific Ocean, kind of imagine how deep that water must be. But the monster was standing in the water and the water only came up to his knees and he towered above the boat. And I was in this little boat looking up at this giant monster, terrified. Um, Anyway, my father, I was so scared. My father prayed and he cast a demon out of the room. And at the time he said, you know, I think that the devil has given you a nightmare. That's what he said. But years later, he came to realize that a nightmare could just as easily be the Lord's warning of a demon that's in the room. So in that one example, um, the Lord could be the one showing you that there's a terrible, terrible problem that needs to be resolved. And um, many people think that nightmares are from, from the devil, but the Lord can give them as a warning. And so here we've got Job, you know, he's having nightmares, he's having visions of the night that terrify him. And I realized when I was reading this chapter, the Lord was speaking to him. You know, here's Job in this speech and in some of the other speeches, crying out to the Lord and saying, why aren't you answering me? Turns out the Lord was speaking to him all along. And that's really interesting because you might think that the Lord doesn't speak to you, but the Lord does. He speaks to you all the time and you're just not aware of it a lot. And I know that's true of me. There's so much of the Lord's speech that we do not pick up. The Lord's voice is all around us, but in most cases, we're oblivious to it. And that's one of the cool things about listening prayer, which we've been doing a lot in our church lately. Listening prayer, you might think it's just sitting still and waiting for the Lord to speak, and that is a part of it. And the Lord does sometimes speak. But the thing about listening prayer is it says to the Lord, I'm someone that wants to hear your voice, and you tend to to then notice the Lord speaking with more ease in any number of other situations. And I've been astounded at how the Lord has spoken in so many ways and places and events and circumstances. And, and I just would probably not have noticed if I hadn't been trying and endeavoring to be a listening person. So I notice here in, in his speech, you know, he talks philosophically and then he talks to the Lord and he says to the Lord, Why won't you speak? But it turns out the Lord was speaking. And I think the Lord's speaking to you too. And you need to say to the Lord, let me hear your voice and seek him to know what he has to say. Father, I want to thank you for Job chapter 7. I thank you that you do speak. We see it right here in Job that you were speaking to him and he didn't even know. And um, Heavenly Father, we recognize that life is short, but yet you give us the gift of eternal life and that we can cast ourselves under your hands. I want to thank you, Lord, that we know a lot of things that Job didn't know. I thank you we have a Bible and he didn't have one. I thank you, Lord, we have the book of Job. I thank you, Lord, we've been so much more informed and we're so grateful for that. And now let us live without blame. But we don't want to blame you. Job didn't blame you and he didn't even have a good reason not to. And Lord, we don't want to blame you and we do have good reasons not to. So help us. Lord, help us to walk in your ways and in your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.